With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChampaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Jones. Bowden. He's got it. Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. Saturday, the 16th of September, the England ODI series against New Zealand concluded. Lots of talking points from that, and also lots of other interesting one day cricket going on as well as we head towards the World Cup. Only 18 days to go now until the start of. The Cricket World Cup with, of course, England against New Zealand. With all those matches going on, Simon, what do you pick out uh, so far from the last sort of few days? Well, lots to talk about, Yoz, as you say, and lots to pick out. Where shall we start? We could start with Ben Stokes. We could start with David Milan. We could start with uh, Jason Roy. We could start with the fact that last weekend we talked about, you know, how there's not much to separate these two sides. It was 2-2 in the... T20 series, it was one all in the ODI series, but this week England have just blown New Zealand away. It's been three thrashings actually, and three very one-sided games, well four very one-sided games because New Zealand hammered England in Cardiff last Friday, but England have come back and they've really put New Zealand in their place, lifted their confidence probably ahead of that armoured a bad match. New Zealand have got some question marks, fitness issues you know, where's Kane Williamson is he going to play? Tim Southey's got this thumb problem now so, yeah, England you know, look, looking good, but it was a bit... The, the weather was fantastic, but the series was a bit of a damp squib, really. Not you know, the, Some of the cricket was good, but it, it didn't have that sort of compelling nature, which, of course, we all hope is going to happen in the, when the World Cup comes around. Obviously, some players have seriously enhanced their claims and others have clouded the issue. Yeah. Uh, David Milan, wow. Uh, I mean, those two innings he's played the last two matches... Uh, he deserved 100 at the Oval mm. and was uh, obviously, in the end, outshone by, by Ben Stokes. But even uh, at Laws as well, that 100 there, 
just beautiful batting and making it so simple. And, you know, actually a couple of people on Twitter have said, are you convinced about Milan now in the one day Sutton? <laughs> I'd have to say, yes, I am. I mean, I was uh, one of the people who, who questioned whether he would be in the side and was the right choice, why, the right pick, because of as much as anything, because of his strike rate being a little bit lowly. But, I mean, he just makes batting look so easy. And, and he, he, he keeps it simple. He, and he's so consistent. So he makes Joe Root at the moment look like a pedestrian, doesn't he? Root, he can't, just can't get any flow to his, to his batting at all. And Milan has totally silenced any doubts about him. And also whether Harry Brook was the right pick. You know, we, we said Brook's got to be in. Well, I still think he should be. But he hasn't done anything to enhance his claims recently, has he? No, he hasn't. I mean, there's quite a lot to sort out uh, for the selectors. They were going to name their squad for the Indian World Cup uh, today, but they've delayed it now. And we think that's because they want to give Jason Roy an opportunity. So there's a one-day series against Ireland, which starts on Wednesday. And you feel that Jason Roy needs to get on the park. You know, Forget about form. He actually needs some fitness. You know, he needs to get playing because he's got these this back spasms. So they, they're going to delay naming their squad for the World Cup. Of course, they've named a provisional squad, so we know which way they're thinking. But there are some issues to sort out. Just on David Milan, he's a sort of curious one-day career. He, he made his debut for England in one-day cricket just before the last World Cup. He played in a game in, in Ireland, really as a fill-in player, because not everyone played in that match. He made 24, something like that, that day in England, just squeaked over the line against Ireland. He didn't play again until 2021. March 2021 was the next time he played for England in one-day international cricket. So what, you know, something like the age of 33, 34. He's now the, in the top 10 quickest to 1,000 runs in the history of one-day cricket in terms of innings. He's got 500s, five half centuries he was the player of the series his strike rates crept up a little bit as well 96.13 and yesterday he just looked at home and of course it was his former home lord so he knows the conditions the surface the feel of the place you know, very well and he he played really fluently i thought josh butler came out and played nicely as well but milan you know all that top order yesterday just looked the most serene he's averaging 61.5 in one day international cricket and Having scored five hundreds and those four fifties as well in his twenty-one matches, I mean it's amazing. Five hundreds and, and four and five fifties in his in his twenty-one matches. I mean that's an incredible rate of production. Obviously, it's the best place to bat in one-day cricket. Really, yeah. the the top, the, you know, the top three because you've got the chance to. He, you know, he does need that time. I think often just to sort of get settled, and he's got that time, and especially. It, it's working rather well. I mean, Bairstow hasn't really got going, but you can see them actually as a, as a really good fall for each other. Bairstow, the bludgeoner, and the, the Milan, the sort of caresser, left hand, right hand. You can, you can see that that partnership working well if if Roy doesn't make it. And yeah, I do worry about him, as you say, fitness wise. It just if this kind of stuff keeps happening, you're going to just lose your your confidence, um, your sort of natural sink in you know rhythm and so on for batting. It's it's just going to be a struggle for him. I feel sorry for him because he's he's been such an integral part of England since 2015, and it feels like he's fading away a bit, doesn't it? Hmm. Well, if, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously there are fitness issues around him. So you know, if he can't get on the part, then you imagine what they will do is Milan will open with Best in the World Cup, and they'll draft Harry Brook into the the 15, even though Harry Brook has really struggled. It's funny that, that, that it was like full steam ahead, Brook, wasn't it, a few weeks ago? And now it's like, mm, OK, 
he's not not really produced at all in, in this series. He's sort of missed an opportunity. But it can happen to good players. You mentioned Joe Root, who just you know he can't buy a run at the moment, can he? He dropped twice yesterday. Yeah, and 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 he's that that sweep, which is his, very much his default mm. shot against spin. He keeps missing it or skying it or something. So. That he'll be questioning himself, hopefully not too much, because he's got such a, a legacy of fantastic performances and England's so reliant on him and he's, he's obviously a brilliant player. So it's just a, 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 probably a temporary blip. But you, know, you start to ask yourself questions, don't you, when these things happen? Well, no one likes to be out of form, do they? It's, it's, a, it's not a nice place to, to be in. You, you need you know, some runs somewhere. It, 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 it's, it's such a mental game, uh, batting. What what are we thinking here? Are we thinking you know it's, it, he hasn't perhaps got that that you know had the ashes you know players going to have a bit of a dip possibly and then you, the next thing that's going to really get you up get you motivated is is a World Cup and it's you know it's hard to just to keep churning it out match after match after match is that is that what we're thinking or yeah. well, I just think that sometimes you know if you have a few low scores it doesn't matter who you are. You then start searching for something mm. and you start questioning whether something's wrong and fiddling around with your trigger movements or whatever. And instead of just thinking, right, go out and hit the ball. And um, I, I think with him at the moment, he's trying almost too hard to play the sweep shot or whatever other shot he's, he's got out to instead of just relaxing and playing his normal natural flow. And, I, you know, there's one uh, sort of person who, who's had a difficult few weeks. What about Ben Stokes? I mean, what about that innings at the Oval? I thought it was totally remarkable innings. Obviously, England's highest ever one-day score, 182, uh, surpassing Jason Roy, the zone 180 in Melbourne. Just, I, I, I watched that innings really closely because he came in at 13 for two and just, you know, played himself in for a few few balls. But once Lockie Ferguson came on, mm. I, he, he, met, he, he metamorphosized into Chris Gale. He just stood almost like a baseballer and anything that Lockie bowled, he flayed it or pumped it or picked it up over mid-wicket. Um, he went for 40 or four overs, Lockie Ferguson, bowling at 90 miles an hour. Stokes just had, a, had it was on a mission to take him down. And then, of course, it just carried on. Yeah. And, I mean, and the skill and, and the power and the range of strokes and the consistency and even the stamina, actually, to be able to keep hitting the ball like that and putting it 20 rows back. I mean, a remarkable player, remarkable innings. 182 from, what, 120-odd balls and nine sixes, and most of them were worth about 10 because they went so far back. Just extraordinary innings. Yeah, because the oval is a big ground, so to hit a six there, especially square with the wicket, you really have to get hold of it. Yeah, you're right about Ferguson. It was like a challenge, wasn't it? He came on to bowl, right, I'm taking this bloke down. And you, you thought, actually, when he got to 100, you know, he's got this knee issue, and it, and it showed, I think, a bit, you know, as the innings progressed, you thought, well, he might just, you know, go hell for leather here and if he hits one up in the air, you know, he hits one up in the air. But he, he kept on going. And you thought, hold on, well, he could get an absolutely massive uh, score here. He, he said afterwards, I spoke to him afterwards, and he said, oh, I didn't know anything about the record at all. It was only when the, he said, it, it was only when the bloke put it up on the screen that I realised what I'd done. I think the crowd, similar to the crowd, because he, he, he went to 182 with, with a six. And, you know, people cheered. But it was only when it went up on the big screen, everyone sort of stand up and applaud. Uh, Jason Roy would have known, of course, in that dressing room. Not a great day for him, was it? You know, to, he was because he was going to play 
on, on Wednesday. He was in the team and then he had another back spasm on the morning of the game and they had to pull him out. So, you know, not a great day for him. Lost his record and you know, didn't get on the field. And I think Ben Stokes said afterwards to him, sorry about breaking your record. <laughs> but I also liked his comment afterwards that he'd missed out on playing in a pro-celebrity golf tournament, which I think Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Ball played in. Mm. And Stokes obviously couldn't play because he was part of the one-day side, so he was annoyed about that. But he said, well, I just went out and played golf on the cricket field instead. And, I mean, some of those shots were, like driving off the tee. It was just absolutely amazing. A couple of other things about that game. Um, it's lovely to see Freddie Flintoff out there. I, I got there quite early at the Oval, actually, and watched England warming up and saw um, Flintoff taking the ball with the mitt. Uh, with both Archer and Wood, good to see Joffre Archer running in and looking quite lively. And Mark Wood uh, bowled two balls to to Freddie, who was standing in the wicketkeeper's position. And I I don't know if Woody hadn't bowled much previously, but his first two balls were Steve Harmison deliveries, miles down the leg side, went straight to the boundary. Freddie didn't get anywhere near them. And uh, they had a bit of a chuckle about it. But... You know, England are actually, they've got a lot of bowlers now, haven't they? I, I quite, was quite impressed by uh, Bryden Cass yesterday. He gets a good pace up. They've got Gus Atkinson as well. So I know they're not going to make it into the World Cup squad, but there's a lot of kind of opportunity. There's a lot of choice there with, with quick bowlers around. Wood will obviously be in the squad. And I guess they're saving him. They're keeping him in cotton wool until they need to really let him go in, in the World Cup in India. But I wonder if Archer will will make it as well as a res- as a travelling reserve, and that'd be an exciting opportunity. Yeah, well, he was again. He was bowling at the, at Lords yesterday, uh, and uh, beating the mitt of of Andrew Flintoff. I don't know. It's difficult to tell that it was going down the leg side, or just a little bit too quick for Freddie, just to you know, move slightly to the left to to take it. Yeah, there's. A, I suppose it's how fit they are, isn't it? I, I mean, I can see you. Can, you can see kind of see their plan for the World Cup. A couple of left armers, probably one pace bowler. And then, you know, then the spin options as well. But no Adi- and Wokes, of course. And Chris, Chris Wokes, Wokes is in and- there, yeah. And, and no, no Adi or Rashid in the last uh, three games. So just, you know, that shoulder problem. I mean, no one's really sort of talked about that. It's sort of slightly gone under the radar a bit. It's more that more focus has been on Jason Roy and what England are going to do at the top of the order. You know, that whole sort of Roy, Milan, Harry Brook thing. But, yeah, Rashid... Also, you know that 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 is an issue for England. We've we've discussed it on the on the last two podcasts. It's not worth uh, doing it again. So here, here's something then, yours. Um, ben Stokes playing in a thrilling fashion on Wednesday, albeit against you know not a tame New Zealand attack. But you've got two bowlers in there who are not going to the World Cup. So that's sort of a weird sort of scenario uh, for them. You know, uh, Jameson, I'm thinking of, and Lister were, were, were playing. And it was a good, it was a very good pitch. It was a it was sort of perfect pitch to play attacking, uh, you know, aggressive cricket. And the outfield was fast as well. You got full uh, value for your shots. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So Ben Stokes doing his thing on Wednesday. Heinrich Klassen doing his thing uh, yesterday at Centurion. Tom Moody afterwards saying, Heinrich Klassen is the best middle order white ball player in the world. If he's not, I'd like to know who is. Well, there's someone called Josh Butler as well. I had a look at the two of them. Heinrich Klassen, he's a good player. He really caught my eye in the IPL um, for a Sunrisers Hyderabad side that didn't really fire. But when he was batting, you always felt they had a chance in the game. He's a good player, Heinrich Klassen. 400, strike rate 112. Josh Butler, 1100s in one-day cricket, strike rate of 118. I think I'd prefer Butler in my side to Heinrich Klassen, which is not to say, if it, you know, if it was a straight shootout, which is not to say Heinrich Klassen is not a dangerous player. And he's someone to definitely look out for in the World Cup. W- would you agree with that? I can't, I can't totally agree with Tom Moody on that. He's a, a brutaliser of the ball. I'd say he's, a pop, he's Popeye with a bat. You know, he's very strong, big upper body, not particularly tall, but just a very strong man. And he really goes to bludgeon the ball, hits it very hard. No, he hasn't got the range of shots that, that Butler has. Uh, he, I mean, but Butler's amazing, isn't he? That that innings he played at, at the Oval, I mean, he, you know, obviously upstaged by, by Ben Stokes, but when he came into bat and Trent Bolt was bowling well, and by the way, Trent Bolt is remarkable, isn't he? The consistency with which he gets early wickets for, for New Zealand. He took five in that, in that match and sort of rather avoided the onslaught that everyone else suffered. But one ball he bowled to Butler... Sort of regulation ball on about off stump, little bit of potential movement, good length. Butler just biffed it over back over mid off for six in, mm. in it, about fifth ball that he faced, and it was effortless. So I think the thing about Butler is he doesn't expend any energy. I mean, Clarkson obviously is a, a very strong man, and he, he, you know, 174 of 83 balls is an incredible assault. But there will be times when he just mishits it and. You know, cloths it somewhere or goes for the big shot and misses it or whatever. Um, and and also he doesn't have that in between game really, which I think Butler's very good. I mean, I was watching Butler carefully when the bowling is good, he can still get singles. He can still just glide it or steer it through the covers or work it on the leg side. He's so good at rotating the strike, and then when the time comes to take the assault to the bowlers, he can do that. Clarkson's a bit more one-dimensional. The other thing about that match yesterday between South Africa and Australia, another crushing win for South Africa. They've come back well. They were being beaten pillar to post in the early part of, well, they they lost the T20 series. They were whitewashed in that. And they lost the first two one days. They came back and won the last two. And there's a, a decider now. Is It's been played at Centurion. And anyone who's seen cricket at Centurion knows that the pitch is, is pacey and bouncy, quite short boundaries, and the ball flies as well because it's high altitude. And I've seen some you know, really punishing T20 matches there where the ball just disappears the whole time into the crowd. It's a great place to bat. So I was thinking, actually, as a preparation for playing in India, it's probably sort of, you know, it, it, it's as far away from the conditions you're going to get in India as, as anything in the world, really, because of, the, because of the, the nature of the pitch and, and the altitude. So yes, yeah, unless you're playing different. in Bengaluru, I suppose. In Be- well, possibly, Bangalore. yeah, 
Possibly, where, where you've yeah. got the altitude and the quick yeah. pitch, and it sails for six there. Yeah, that's that's the only that's the only comparison. But generally speaking, yeah, from, from most other places, it's not great preparation. I saw Adam Sam- Zampa, fourth ranked bowler in the world. You know, everyone can have a bad day, can't they? It's a consolation for everyone. If you're having a bad day today, or if you have one next week. Anybody can have one. Uh, Adam Zampa has been excellent for Australia. He's ranked number four in the world, and he's now got the, the, the joint worst one-day international bowling figures of all time. And the man he's level with, Mick Lewis, who 17 years ago bowled in that fateful match for Australia in Johannesburg, talking about you know great places to bat in, in one-day cricket with pace and bounce. In Johannesburg, that amazing South Africa takedown of Australia's 400-plus, that, that memorable game. Um, yeah, so that so that that record has now been equal. So Mick Lewis, perhaps uh, breathing a sigh of uh, relief, and just shows you, doesn't it? You know, you, uh, it's so tough for bowlers in one-day cricket. However good, you know, however good you are, even Rashid Khan, Rashid Khan, the last World Cup went for 110 against England at Old Trafford, but Owen Morgan was hitting all those sixes. Ten overs, naught for 113 was Adam Zampa's mm. figures. Uh, you want to get your bad day out of the way all at once, don't you? <laughs> if you well, can. certainly before the World Cup comes <laughs> yeah. round, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think actually that uh, overall, all these matches do feel like sort of warm-up matches, don't they? And there's more to come as well, um, obviously, once the teams get to India. So I guess you don't want to read too much into it, really. I mean, players yeah. are all kind of trying to sort of assess where their roles are, what their roles are, what positions they're going to be in the team. I mean, I do worry about England because they're still not sure what their first eleven is. And you don't want to be arriving at a World Cup two weeks out and not sure what your best team is. Mm. Uh, you, you at least want to have a sense of uh, these, these are our 12 players and we might you know, pull one in and take one out sort of thing. But you want your 12 front liners. And at the moment, England, are, they've got 15 or 16, but they're not quite sure what their best 11 is. Mm. Well, the, uh, it's part, partly to do with the problem with injuries, isn't it? You know, Rashid, how fit is he? Wood, how fit is he? Jason Roy, how fit is he? Is he going to make it? I, I sort of think they they probably got their batting structure set. You know, if it's not Roy, it's going to be uh, Milan. Although if, if Roy does make, I don't. I actually, I, I think if Roy is fit to go to the World Cup, I, he probably won't open, will he? He probably won't play in the first uh, match against New Zealand. They'll they'll, they'll go Milan and, and Bairstow now because they're the players in occupation and Milan's been in great form and you're not going to bring Roy in for Johnny Bairstow. So I think the first seven are a bit set. It's just a question of what your your bowling combinations are. You know, Rashid, you'd think in India uh, would have to play, depends on the on the surface. You know, Sam Curran, you'd think, has to play. Probably probably Reese Topley and then a, a pace bowler. So another pace bowler, another fast bowler. Something like that anyway. And, you know, you're going to mix and match a bit anyway over the, over nine games. So you haven't got that many to choose from. When you've only got a squad of 15, you haven't got that many to choose from anyway. It's not like you've got 17 players or whatever. Or you know, or if you're playing a home one-day international, you can choose as many as you like, can't you? Because you just bring people in uh, willy-nilly. So, I, yeah, I, I, I think they sort of roughly know. But they've got the, they have got those fitness issues, really. And, 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 and talking about fitness issues, Yoz, it, you know, it is a problem, isn't it, for, for some of the teams? You know, just, you know, the, the list that we know about, Tim Southey with that... You know, thumb injury yesterday. Travis Head, he's got a, a cracked left hand, so his place in the World Cup is in some doubt with Jason Roy. Teek Shana picked up a hamstring injury playing for Sri Lanka, one of their spin bowlers. Nassim Shah has got an injury. Anrik Norkia is out for a couple of games with a lower back problem. And as a former 
well, bowler of medium pace, medium Thanks. fast and medium yourself in the past, you know you don't want a back problem, do you? And Nokia is one of the quickest in the world. Kane Williamson, there's you know an issue for New Zealand there. So it's not just going to be about form in the next two months. It's also going to be about fitness as well. I do sort of feel actually that it's time New Zealand moved on from Tim Southey in one day cricket. I, I, he's a, been a fantastic bowler and he's still very good in test cricket. I just feel in one day cricket he's a bit he's a bit tame. His slower balls are, are fairly easy to read. He hasn't quite got that zip that he had maybe two or three years ago. If he doesn't swing it, he's cannon fodder. And it might be a blessing in disguise. Actually, I, I think they've underutilised his batting because he, he can smack it, can't he? I mean, he's hit so many sixes in his career. But I think as a bowler, maybe his time was up anyway. So that wouldn't be a, ma a massive loss to New Zealand. I mean, obviously the experience is important. But with Bolt and, and others, Lockie Ferguson, Matt Henry, I, I, I mean, he's a good mm. bowler, Matt Henry. So, you know, they've got, they've got enough cover there, I think, New Zealand. Yeah, and Ben Lister, just at the start of his yeah. one-day international career, you know, he's done okay, but of course now he's pulled a hamstring. So, you know, hamstrings, they're, you know, right. they're three or four weeks, aren't they, really? So that's, a, you know, another issue for him in terms of, or for them, in terms of, you know, a potential replacement. It's a bizarre situation, actually, for New Zealand because they're going to Bangladesh to play a one-day series before the World Cup. And you think, well, that's great preparation. But if you look at their squad, hardly any of their World Cup squad are going to play in Bangladesh Think we're almost like what's the point of going? I suppose the point is for Bangladesh, isn't it, to get some some warm up uh, practice before the World Cup? But it's not a sort of great situation for New Zealand. It seems odd, really. It seems almost like a sort of waste of a tour uh, for them. But I suppose there might be an opportunity for one or two of the fringe players to to press their case. And you know, where, the, where there's a gap, there's always an opportunity. I suppose that's how you, how you got to look at it. Just talking about Bangladesh, uh, no one's really talking about them as serious or World Cup contenders. But um, they're, they're still, they can tweak the nose every now and again. And they did that to India uh, yesterday, albeit in a game that didn't matter in terms of who was going to progress in the Asia Cup because the final is going to be Sri Lanka against India uh, tomorrow. But uh, Shubman Gill making 100. Bangladesh just about sneaking up and winning the game. Is there one of those sides in Indian conditions who you feel will or can cause one or two of the big teams a problem if they get it right on their day, if they get the right conditions. So, you know, they're a they're not a team to be underestimated at all. No, and they've got good variety in their bowling, uh, some spinners and the you know, Mr Fizz, Mr Fizzaraman, who's a clever left armer, took three wickets in that India match. And um, obviously, Shakib Al Hassan, incredibly consistent. I hate watching him bowl actually because he looks so hard to dominate. He gets the sort of skid on, and the ball kind of skates under the bat almost. And he's a a dangerous batsman. So yeah, I mean, Bangladesh are always interesting to watch. They're quite difficult to play against, aren't they? Mm. Because they change the bowling a lot and different spinners with different trajectories and so on. So. It'll depend a little bit, actually, where they play, won't it? Mm. What pitches they play on. If it's uh, somewhere like Chennai, they'll be difficult. But but maybe in, in somewhere like Bangalore or, or Mumbai, it won't be so bad because the ball will bounce and, and come onto the bat a bit better. Yeah, definitely. And they've got a very good record at home. So, but, you yeah, know, those conditions in India, are, you know, they're reasonably uh, comparable. So, you know, they're a, a team worth looking out for. I mean, in terms of... The World Cup, you know, we've been asked to do our, our semi-final predictions and our eventual winner predictions for the BBC Sport website. I was not being um, umming and ahhing, you know, you, you know it's, it's easy to go with England, Australia, 
India and Pakistan as the the four semi-finalists, isn't it? I mean, that's all at this stage. That seems like the most logical, perhaps the most the safest bet. But you know, generally speaking, Asian teams have done you know well in in the World Cup in India last time round. It were the semi the four semi-finalists were. Can you name can you name the four semi-finalists off the top of your head? What, I've actually the, just thrown twenty nineteen. No, no, two thousand and eleven in India when Sri India La- won the World Cup. In India, Sri Lanka. Yeah. I can't remember the other two. Yeah, it's easy to forget, isn't it? Pakistan, were the, remember they played that semi-final in Mahali. So three Asian teams made the, the semi-finals last time. And the other one, of course, because they always do it, or seem to, uh, overachieve, New Zealand. They made the semi-finals as well. I don't think anyone's really talking about them uh, this time. What about South Africa? I mean, they've got some, they've got some talented uh, cricketers as well. They did well in England. Uh, last summer, I don't know. I mean, they, they again. They're one of those teams. Everyone says, "Oh, they they choke." You know, they hate. I know they hate that, but they've never really quite lived up to the the talent uh, that they've had. They have, you know, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, you know, Sri Lanka in Indian uh, conditions. So that I think it's going to be it's going to be fascinating. Really competitive. I think you can you know you can Afghanistan might cause a you know the odd issue here and there i can't see them as a top 4 team and i don't see i, I think the netherlands will will probably struggle just because of the you know the the, the weight of of competition for new zealand we've written them off <laughs> we've written yeah. them off so they'll probably make the final again uh, you yeah. know there's a lot there it, it's 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 a fantastic um fiesta of cricket that is approaching us and because there's nine games for each team you know there's a lot of scope for teams to start slowly and and pick up momentum and, and a little bit of scope, yours. A little bit of scope. You don't want to start too badly, though, do you? No, I suppose. But if you look at England, I mean, in that 2019 World Cup, they lost three games and still eventually got to the final. Although it was obviously nip and tuck for a little bit. I mean, I suppose one sort of guideline is the last three World Cups have been won by the home team: yeah. India 2011, Australia 2015, and England 2019. So that's sort of gives you a, a, a slight steer. I mean, India have so many resources and, you know, obviously they're going to be the favourites. I mean, we'll talk uh, We'll talk more about that in yeah. our subsequent podcast when it gets a bit closer to the World Cup. Have you got your itinerary yet? Um, I haven't got my visa yet, Yoz. First things first. Uh, so we need to get that uh, sorted out. I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that that is, is going to turn up. I do have a, a rough itinerary. It looks like my first match is going to be the second game of the World Cup, which is Pakistan against Netherlands. Uh, you know, which will be in- interesting to see how the, you know, the Netherlands shape up in that match. The first game is the, the day before England against uh, New Zealand in Ahmedabad. They're, they're probably sick of the sight of each other, aren't they? Uh, those two teams. At least they get a you know, couple of weeks, three weeks off, and they have to see each other uh, for three weeks. But that is that's the opening game, and then Pakistan against Netherlands. I think I think I, you know I got a few. Uh, interesting games in there. I, I think I'm in Ahmedabad for India against Pakistan. One of those you probably need to leave fairly early to make the stadium. Probably need to leave about four. You know what it's like in, in India. You need to get to the stadium at least two hours before the start of the game. Probably need to get there about four hours that day <laughs> in that massive new stadium with a crowd of about 120,000 people. Yeah, I've got an Ahmedabad game actually as well. I, I haven't got my visa yet either, so that'll be interesting. Um, but I've got uh, a bit of Dharamshala actually. But Bangladesh, Afghanistan and England, Bangladesh in Dharamshala, a couple of games there. I'm looking forward to that, actually. It's such a great venue. Um, it's totally different, obviously, to almost all the rest of India. The biggest sight screens in the world, if you're playing with a red ball, the Himalayas at the back. 
but uh, it, it's uh, an interesting place. God knows what the wicket will be like there. Um, but we, we, yeah, I, I look as if I'm going to be travelling up and down the country quite a bit as well. So, so yes. you were there. You you were there with me that time we went to Durham, Charlie. Yes, because yeah? the the one thing I remember about about it, uh, the amazing backdrop, was the fact that we'd come from quite warm India to go right up in the into the hills to quite cold in India, and I remember it was so cold we weren't really prepared. We we actually were sitting eating our evening meal inside in our jumpers and jackets. Because it was it was that cold at, at that time of the year. Yeah, and they didn't have um, was, they didn't have heating, did they, in the hotels? No, no. You had to no. kind of go to reception and get a a little radiator to put into your bedroom because they had no central heating at all. And they, for some odd reason, all the hotels, the little hotels, had they just left their front door open. So you get these kind of Arctic blasts coming in uh, all, yeah. all the time. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty cold, and it, it is a trip it, it's a trip to get there as well. Yeah. I remember Dean Wilson, who's the Mirrors cricket correspondent, actually having dinner with him one night, and he had his his uh, you know winter hat on. <laughs> anyway, it made it made a change from the sort of the extreme heat uh, further down south because I think we were there in January. Anyway, it was an amazing backdrop, wasn't it? It was a, it was a, it's a what, you know, people who get a chance to go there. And England are playing a Test match there in in the new year as well. I mean, I think it's a great place to go. It's just it's very different and one wonderful sort of fresh air and fantastic scenery. Yeah. And the Dalai Lama might even make an appearance as well. And uh, bless everyone. Uh, so that's something to look forward to. Listen, I think we'll leave it there because there's so many kind of loose ends that we can tie up as uh, all the teams uh, announce their final squads and we hear about injuries being either too bad for the player or at least they've recovered from. You got an, a, a final thought? Well, I, I know, Yoz, um, you're going on holiday, but with a cricket theme to it. Is that right? You're going to Corfu? And it's the 200th anniversary of cricket in Corfu, which is amazing to think about, isn't it? But they actually have a very active cricketing infrastructure in Corfu. I think there are seven different pitches and they've been playing there, obviously, since uh, 1823. So uh, incredible uh, longevity. And uh, there is a literary festival going on, uh, which I'm at, talking at with uh, Ed Smith, actually, uh, at some particular event. And then there is a match between... Because it's a literary festival, there's lots of quite famous authors out there, including Tom Holland and Sebastian Falks and people like that, and they all love their cricket. So there's an author's 11 against Corfu on the Sunday to commemorate that 200th anniversary. So it should be quite a big occasion, actually. It's in the centre of town, right in the centre of Corfu, with sort of boats in the background and people walking past going shopping and this quite sort of Victorian... Uh, backdrop a bit like almost a, a little bit similar like a smaller version of the Azad Madan in Mumbai actually um, and, and just a glorious setting so I'm not I don't think I'm going to be playing actually I, I mean my bowling days are pretty much done so I might just be spectating but anyway it'll be, it'll be a good occasion well it's a fantastic enjoy it it's a great time of the year uh, to go to Greece the, the weather is lovely it's not too hot it's just perfect uh, conditions perfect for holiday perfect uh, for cricket and then once you, when you come back yours it's full steam ahead uh, for India and we're all looking forward to that so we will speak to you uh, when yours gets back from holiday happy holidays yours thanks I'm looking forward to it thanks for listening and we'll speak to you when I'm back
Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.